maybe a few blocks ahead when you're around the corner. When you reel them in, let them take you to the next water stop. Then you reel somebody else in. And it's almost like climbing a ladder. Dizwins Radio, episode 723, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, today's episode is a little trip down memory lane. It's just one of those situations where a few interviews canceled, a few interviews uh, scheduled for farther out in advance and, and couldn't have anything that was ready to go for today. But uh, that doesn't mean we don't have a whole host of good ones back in the back in the archives that uh, maybe you've missed. You know, if you're, if you're new to the show, maybe you haven't uh, gone all the way back yet and started from scratch. And uh, if you've been listening to the show for years... Maybe you've heard this one before, but it might uh, it might be fun to listen to again. So today uh, we're going back and revisiting an episode with Chuck Van Duzee, uh, who's an OG in the uh, the the road running world. Um, I actually saw on Instagram the other day his his niece Carly Daub, friend of the show, one of the ladies from Wahoo Running. Um, she posted something from the uh, OKC marathon uh, with her and Chuck running together. Chuck, 80-something years old, 86 years old, finishing his 356th proper marathon. Mind-blowing. Ridiculous. Um, and so I figured, I mean, that was a couple weeks ago, but I figured if, if we're going to run a best-of episode, no better uh, chat to run th- this time than to celebrate Chuck's 356th marathon. Still going strong. Uh, who knows what the, you know, how many more uh, he's going to continue to do, but I've got no no doubt that he's going to continue to clip them, off, clip them off, you know, keep adding more to the numbers. So if you want to hear some, uh, you know, some some old school kind of running, running stories uh, from a guy who's been there, done that for, you know, longer than probably quite a few of us have been alive, certainly uh, been running races much longer than I've been alive, um, sit back and or, or keep running or whatever it is you're doing. And enjoy this little uh, trip down memory lane with Mr. Chuck Van Dizee. Hey guys, uh, fun fact about today's guest. Um, he's been running marathons longer than I have been alive. So let that, think in, let that sink in for just a minute. Um, in total, at this point, he's run somewhere over 300 marathons, but you know who's, who's counting at this point? Uh, he's also a, an official 50-state marathoner and has also run several international races uh, along the way. Uh, and in case you're curious... Yes, he is still running uh, at this point in his life as well. So anyway, uh, I'm sure we're going to get some great stories today from none other than Mr. Chuck Van Duzee. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Chuck. Really appreciate it, and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, certainly. The, the, the pleasure is mine. Um, and uh, guys, you, you know, let, let's call a spade a spade. Chuck doesn't have much for social media, websites, anything like that. So, so there's nothing to, uh, to, to point you to, to get in touch with him, but we do have, we will have show notes for today, just like we always do. Uh, and if you want to, uh, check those out, some notes and some photos and things like that from, uh, you know, Chuck's running career, uh, disruns.com slash five, seven, three is the link to get you there. Um, so Chuck, the way we always start off the show is with a, uh, a very simple question that I kind of think I actually might have an, uh, an idea of what your answer is going to be. Uh, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And for some runners, it's actually kind of a, or some folks that I talk to, it's, it's kind of a difficult question uh, to answer, even though it's an easy one for me to ask. And that's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Well, well it, uh, I started running at 40 and only ran 5Ks and 10Ks. Uh, up in Rochester, New York, on Lake Ontario, we we didn't even have half marathons uh, 40 years ago. Um, there were a couple, but uh, infrequently. So we just did five and 10 Ks. Then um, I ran into some guys that were running marathons. And in those days, Rochester had a Lake Ontario marathon which uh, ran out along uh, 13 miles Lake Ontario and then turned around and came back and also had a, and that was flat as you might imagine. Mm -hmm. And then we also had, and that was in June and then September we had the Rochester marathon. 
which ran into all of the small towns around Rochester, started and finished uh, in Rochester. So I had heard that some of my buddies had done the Lake Ontario Marathon. So I, I signed up and ran that and um, uh, didn't run again for a week. My quads just were throbbing. I didn't know anything about uh, training or hadn't even uh, run into many guys that I could run with every day, which is uh, something that I, I very seldom do and haven't done for 40 years, run without people. So um, I did the marathon, and then I thought, oh, my God, this is nothing I would ever do again. <laughs> but then within a couple of days, as I know all of you that have run marathons, you start to think, well, maybe if I had, you know, run a little bit more before the marathon or if I had uh, not got to 20 miles as quickly as I did. Um, so maybe I'll try one again. So the marathon, obviously, then is my uh, favorite distance. The reason, if if I might keep going, is the anything shorter than that. If you think about it, a half marathon might be an exception. Is that you just start as fast as you can and, and hold on. Mm-hmm. And, and I, got, I was pretty good at that because um, uh, I could hold hold on a bit, but. Uh, I would finish and it would uh, like awful during the race, but it was pretty easy to recuperate. But the marathon being 26 miles, there are so many different ways to run it. And having run 300 plus, I have run it, tried every single way that you can think of running 26 miles. And the only thing you learn as you do, even in a 5K, you either pass people the first half or the second half, Mm -hmm. never pass people the whole distance. So um, the marathon I loved because if you believe that principle, you start getting closer to to running even splits Mm. or even running the last half faster than the first half. But it's difficult and you have to do a lot of them um, to really experiment, you know, like guys run five Ks and they'll run them every, every weekend. So you can, you can learn a lot right. doing five Ks, but most people, a lot of people would only do the marathon once or twice a year. And, uh, that isn't really often enough to, to experiment with, because, uh, every marathon, if you only do a couple means too much. Mm. So it's difficult to, to to experiment on maybe getting halfway a little bit slower, and uh, but anyways, to answer your question, the uh, the marathon obviously is my favorite uh, distance because it's it, at my age it's even more of an adventure than it used to be. <laughs> yeah, I I um I, I imagine, and I have a I have a, a snowbird neighbor that uh, is back up in Michigan now, but he's I think he's eighty eighty five eighty six something like that. And, uh, about three or four years ago, he came, he came, you know, got back down here in the, in the fall and, uh, you know, Hey Bobby, how you doing? You know, how's, how's the running going? He said, you know, I, I had to give up on, on the marathon. It's just, it's just too much for me at this point. It, it, it you know, the training is too, is too difficult. The, the, the racing beats me up and it's too much of recovery. So, you know, I'm sticking to the half marathon only. Um, but it sounds like at least so far, knock on wood that, that, uh, it hasn't caught up to you yet, which is, which is, uh, pretty fantastic. Well, the first thing I look at now is uh, how long they'll allow me to be out there mm. before they pull the guards and the cones. And uh, the, the, like right now, I'm in Oklahoma City mm-hmm. um, uh, for the marathon on Sunday, and they pull the plug at six and a half hours. Uh, now, some people say that's longer than my work day when I work, but uh, <laughs> it really isn't. Uh so it's um, it's a whole different uh, adventure for me now, but is still a sport for me. But at eighty, it's um, I know exactly what your friend's talking about. What you can't do, and and Meb did that. If you think of him a couple of years ago, 
he cut back on his training just turning 40 mm-hmm. or about to turn 40. He couldn't train like he did at 30. And he still, what did he win? Boston, I think. Right. Didn't he win Boston a couple of years ago? Yeah, he won, he won Boston in 2014. Yeah, yeah. And he did that training less than he previously used to put in. And it was mainly because you're – your legs are older and um, you just can't train as much. And as long as you're willing to, um, uh, and in running, uh, be slower, mm-hmm. um, you can keep on the sport. But that's why they're, uh, you know, your friend that's 85 and uh, there isn't many people that can continue that long because it's, uh, you get slower every time. Right. And if you think about, you know, at, at, at your age, if you started getting, I mean, hopefully you're getting faster. <laughs> that's that's certainly the goal. <laughs> not not every race, but you, you mm-hmm. can get still in better shape. Mm-hmm. And a matter of fact, I uh, was just telling Carly uh, about um, when I turned 70, I did a 5K and had, uh, and there was a couple of out and backs. It was a big 5K, uh, a nice one. And, well, it's in Ybor City. You would mm. know where that is. Mm-hmm. So um, great 5K. And uh, out and back so you get to see everybody. And I didn't notice anybody my age ahead of me so or old enough to potentially mm-hmm. be my age. The only guy I saw was, and you might know the name, but uh, um, Joe Bergazer from St. Pete, he trains people, and I thought he was still in his middle 60s. So when they were announcing the, the awards, they said 70 and over, um, I, st- I left my gang and I said, I'll be back on that. So I'm walking towards the stage. Uh, I had run t- 24 minutes, mm-hmm. and uh, but didn't see anybody. And then they said, and in 70 and over in 19... 19- Minutes, 20 seconds, Joe Bergazer. So um, the point I'm making is that then I talked to him later, and he actually um, was slower like at 68 and somehow got a second wind getting into his early 70s. Um, And I hated hearing that because it's a great excuse for those of us to get older Everybody just assumes you're going to be slower. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a comfort, not in the old days where they would expect you to continue to get faster. So, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a humbling experience. Other sports, if you think about it, my son played soccer in college. And then as, when he got out, he joined a um, under 30 league soccer mm-hmm. and then an over 30 and then he couldn't wait to get to the over 40 league (laughs) running you're out there with the best like the people that had just done boston they were out there running with the the best runners in the world started a few minutes behind them Mm -hmm. the activity they're running they're they're engaged in there's people all ages and uh, different sexes and uh, so you're not like in a over 50 softball league mm-hmm. where everybody there is, you know, over 50. Right. You're running, unfortunately. And even when you're training, your running group um, usually keeps getting, it doesn't get older. <laughs> the younger guys get older. Right. But you're running just with newer kids joining. Mm-hmm. And you get tired of saying, well, when I was 50, I was faster than you were than you are at 30. I would never say that, but you, uh, you get to a point where you've got to start thinking that and just say, I'm, I'm running at my age and uh, mm-hmm. same event they are. And uh, so it's, it's, uh, it can be humbling. And in, uh, in 20 years, I'll talk to you. <laughs> See Yes, sir. I will, we'll, we'll set a date for 20 years from now. And, and, uh, you know, you, you'll, you'll be at 500 marathons or something at that point. And, and, uh, I'll still be trying to catch up to you. I'll actually be a hundred years old. I just, (laughs) I'm so used to saying 20 years, right. But I probably shouldn't say that anymore. Uh, well, you know, let's, let's, let's put it out there and and then you have, you know, then you have, you have, uh, 
you know, if, if we have to do it in 15 or 10 or whatever, you know, no, yes. no big deal. We'll, we'll back it up and, and have that, uh, have that conversation. And yeah, there we go. Um, so, you know, you, you mentioned the, the, that, you know, kind of as, as father time creeps along, you know, for most cases, other than the, the select few who are still running 19 minute five K's in this, in the 70 year old plus age group, you kind of yes. get, you kind of get slower. Um, was that a, a hard pill for you to swallow or were you pretty uh, okay with accepting that, uh, you know, you're not running what you were 30 years ago at, at this point in your life? What the, the hardest thing for me now is, um, uh, I'm, I'm like the slowest one in our running community. Mm-hmm. We have in Bradenton have, um, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Tuesday evening group runs. Mm-hmm. And, um, now I, uh, so we might have 30 people on a Tuesday, on last Tuesday night. And I just wait till everybody heads out and I, I go after them. So you're not, I used to be running and talking with a whole lot of people. Um, that doesn't happen now because there's nobody as slow as me, mm-hmm. even, even on a, even on the training run. Um, so that's more humbling, um, than a race. I don't, I don't mind a race or I don't mind really running slowly, but what I miss is being able to, uh, I'm still a social runner because we still, uh, go for a sandwich and a beer after mm-hmm. or breakfast in the morning runs. So that still is, uh, the social part of the activity for me, but I used to uh, have a good time running, with people and uh, and talking. A matter of fact, the Bradenton Running Club is a bit unique in that almost nobody wears uh, listens to music mm. group run um, uh, because everybody talks. And when someone comes for the first time with a headset, uh, we usually say something mm-hmm. like, you notice you're the only one. And uh, I, I'm usually a little sarcastic being old school. <laughs> right. you know, I, that wasn't around back uh, back uh, back in the old days. Um, but to listen to music, I mean, you uh, you, you may have run into this. Um, if you run like the country music or rock and roll or New York City, which has phenomenal New York City bands, mm-hmm. every other block, half of the people are listening to NPR or something. Right. Um, and, and just oblivious to, you know, running all over the place, have no idea there's 50,000 people there and they're whistling to a tune, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which by, I, we call that aided, running aided. So mm-hmm. if someone, we make fun of them if they have finished a race, a half marathon or a marathon, and have listened to music the whole way, we, we say you want to try, try one sometime on aided. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, just uh, sweat and agonizing without something artificial to take your mind off from it. But that again is old school. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets sick of me. Uh, yeah, some people used to wear a headset just so that I wouldn't talk to them. <laughs> so they, you know, pull, pull. If I say something, they'll pull it out of one ear and and put it back in. Right, but, uh, right. Always been a big part of the the, the the run for me, and that that's kind of uh, no longer. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have a chance on on race day to have a little bit more social aspect? I'm I'm, I'm going to assume, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but are there maybe some more folks that are at your pace level on on the races as opposed to in the the normal runs back home? They um, back where I am. Uh, there, there, there is a bunch of people, mm-hmm. but they're normally younger, out of shape people who have decided to, to do a marathon and have not, I guess they did know it was 26 miles. <laughs> so, uh, and they probably uh, all have their headphones in too, so they can't, they oh, can't talk yeah, to you no, anyway. Absolutely. Oh, they all have their head. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I don't, um, so that part of the marathon is left. Mm-hmm. Um, but I used to use people. I, a, a big, uh, uh, I, I, I don't think you, you, you should run 26 miles 
with someone that you brought. You want to use strangers where there's no obligation. I have, and you may have seen too, so many uh, marathoners that had run, say, 20 miles together, and then one is trying to pull the other and the other wants to walk. Well, obviously, if they had run separately, they may have ended up at 22 together. Mm-hmm. Um, one maybe running the first part slower and the other faster. And But I think it's such a mistake if you uh, run with a buddy, even someone you train with, because no two people are going to do 26 miles. They may finish at the exact same time, mm-hmm. but get there, they would each get there differently. Right. And uh, so th- th- I, I'm always advising people, don't run this with a buddy. It's uh, it's kind of a waste because somebody's going to take the other person out a little bit faster than they should or slower. Mm-hmm. Um, so it ought to be, I, I like to think of the, a race as being an individual experience that you, you learn something from. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm, uh, I've never treated that socially, but I, I used to uh, uh, run uh, for a couple of years. I had a technique of, you know, I, I mentioned that I've tried all different techniques. One, I would run a very moderate 10 miles and let everybody go. Not everybody. Mm-hmm. Still pretty quick in, in those days. Um, so I'd let everybody go, and then I would, at, at mile 10, start picking it up. So I would run into people, and then I would um, uh, engage them maybe in conversation and let them slow me down to the next water stop, and then I would take off again and just kind of reel people in and because, you know, I couldn't accelerate the whole race, but I would accelerate to pick these people in, let them take me to the next water stop and uh, engage them in, co- in conversation. Mm-hmm. And then at the next water stop, I would take off again. And and I had some really neat uh, experiences doing that. Um, a lot of a lot of marathons that, that have some terrain uh, that doesn't work as well. But that's something that uh, somebody might want to try if, in fact, they're convinced there's a wall of 20 mm-hmm. is um, put in a moderate 10 and then work your way. Because what a great feeling if you think about it, Denny, um, passing so many people because mm-hmm. you're fresh and you're catching them. You're using them. You know, they may be a few blocks ahead when you're around the corner. Will you reel them in? Let them take you to the next water stop, then you reel somebody else in. And it's almost like climbing a ladder. Right. Um, uh, it, it works well at uh, where the terrain really isn't uh, a factor. Mm-hmm. You, you, you mentioned earlier, and you, you mentioned it just a, again as well, that, you know, uh, because you've you've run so many races, you've had an opportunity to experiment with different things versus those that are running maybe one or two races a year. Like like you said, it's such a big deal and, and it's so focused and, and you're maybe a little bit nervous for, for good reason to try to take a chance because this might be your only chance for the next eight months to, to try something out. Um, how, on the flip side of that uh, equation of, of the benefit of running so many marathons in, in a year, in a decade, and, and being able to try it out, is that idea of obviously recovery, staying healthy, things like that. Um, how, how were you able to, over the, the 40, 40 years of, of running um, and with so many miles and so many marathons, stay healthy with, with running such a, a heavy, you know, quote unquote, heavy race schedule, you know, for most of those years? Um, it's almost a, uh, uh, the advantage of having a low expectation of um, is uh, you're not gearing up for one event and so much pressure on, you know, I might have, uh, I might not have mentioned, but I should have. I'm not electronically connected. Mm-hmm. I was back in an era where everybody was normal people. Everybody was faster than they are now because I, I don't know how people do 
um, having negative reinforcement for 26 miles. If I, it would be like uh, running with someone who from the first inch was tired and was saying, oh, we're not to mile two yet, or we're not to, so that kind of guy you'd never want to run with, or, or girl. So um, I think if you've got on your wrist something which is, uh, you, you think you're, you're at mile seven, and you check it and you're at mile six and a half, or you think you're going, it's always telling you you're going too fast or too slow, mm-hmm. The, guy, the young people I run with now are just slower. They, they never, um, they don't learn anything. Uh, they're taught by something on their wrist that apparently knows the temperature, the terrain, how you feel that day, and it tells you what pace you need to run. Mm-hmm. You, run as, you run as hard as you can knowing the distance. That's all running is, and we have made it made people so much slower, in my estimation, by losing that principle. So uh, that, that's why I know, uh, I know a, a, a guy that's trying to qualify for Boston, I think he needs a 305, he just turned 30, I'm not sure what he needs, but he keeps missing it. He's got a, uh, uh, he's a fireman, mm-hmm. so he's in pretty good shape, 30 years old, just turned 30, wears a heart monitor, has the stuff on his wrist, and uh, just can't do it. I mean, he should be running without anything on his wrist three-hour marathons. I mean, he's, he's that strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was never that strong. I mean, I, I just uh, I'm a, kind of a three-and-a-half guy. Uh, could run like ace forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's handicapped. Of course, it, it, uh, he leaves the, the bar early because I'm on him all the time. Because even for a, I mean, why would he? Why would you need a heart monitor? First of all, as you would know from Florida, he's got a tan line mm-hmm. because of the heart monitor, and uh, uh, he goes to the gym, but it's wasted because he's got a white line um, <laughs> un, under his uh, ample pecs. Uh-huh. Uh, so he's an in shape dude. But he got tied into the electric. He went to the running store, I always say, before he started to run. It's like before you ski, you'll go buy some skis and boots. Mm-hmm. And, and then you'll ski. In my estimation, you don't really need to do that to run. And, and uh, that's what it, again, that's what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And people just ran. This. You think if you don't have any anybody telling you, on your wrist what you should do, or an iPhone on your arm, mm-hmm. oh my God. Um, first of all, I wouldn't, uh, besides a hat and a watch, which in the old days had five splits, Denny. So <laughs> I, I was telling somebody the, the other day, don't let me ram, ramble on, but what, what you would do, because the race started when the gun went off. Mm-hmm. So like at Boston in the old days with 8,000 people or Marine Corps with 8,000 people. Now they're up to 20, 30, 40,000. But um, you were always like two, three minutes from the start. But the race started with the gun going off. So those of us with five splits on your watch, and it was it was only so that later after the race, you could tell what you did. You'd, you'd always hit it at mile two. And then uh, because mile one to two would always be maybe a 10 minute mile or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you'd maybe hit it at, at halfway and then hit it at 20 and then at the finish or something. Anyways, it was running was far less complicated. Um, and everybody used to be, uh, be a whole lot faster than they are now. I, that's my own, uh, that's my own theory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, I, I just think running is a lot more difficult now. And then, and then you've got the music and you've got rather than just running at uh, old school, which would be without listening to music, mm-hmm. enjoy the pain. <laughs> That's what you got to get used to, right, is fighting through it, especially a marathon. Mm-hmm. Am I tired or or can I keep going? Yes. Yeah. Keep keep going. Mm-hmm. So I. I, um, there's very few people like in my running community that, that 
goes back to before the electronics. So it's been around a while, um, quite a while. So I tell them that, and they don't uh, they don't see how you could possibly, without knowing somebody telling you what your pace is, because it doesn't make any difference to uh, what your pace is. You've got to be running as hard as you can knowing the distance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you learn that by running, running a lot and doing a lot of races. And, uh, by the way, I don't have any arthritis in either knees. I had a, mali- a meniscus operation. So th- that's an argument for pounding for 40 years mm-hmm. is that uh, and some uh, orthopedic guy had told me that that's kind of the secret is uh, rather than sitting around for 40 years and getting arthritis, if you're, you're out there on the road, uh, I think it's healthier for your knees. They may hurt a bit, but it, you might avoid arthritis. Yeah, that was. There's so many things in there that uh, I, I wanted to talk about, and, and uh, um, but but I since don't you, I don't mind arguing either. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I you know, I, I, about the about the the electronics and the watch thing. You know, I'm I'm going to be guilty of talking out of both sides of my mouth because as as we're you know talking, like I've got my my watch on, you know, from my from my run this morning. I've got my heart strap on underneath my shirt. If I took it off, like you'd see my white strap around my chest as well. But it's one of those things where I feel like I like the 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 data especially for for training but on race day um i'm pretty much prone to to turning things off and only having you know so that all i can see on my watch is the time because and i've i've talked to others that have done this i've had some of my athletes that i coach do this i've seen it myself as well it's exactly what you're saying if if you're not being told that oh my gosh i'm running too fast for whatever my my goal is you might just surprise yourself and come in, you know, if, if your goal is two hours in the half marathon, you're going to, if you're watching your watch, you're going to stay right at 9.06 pace. But if you don't, you might run 8.45s or 8.30s, feel fantastic and come in at, at two, 2.50 or something like that. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I, I think we um, set a goal, which, which, which maybe is a goal that people have always, uh, you've heard people, well, I just want to break four hours, mm-hmm. like for the marathon, or two and a half, or two hours for the half marathon or something. And um, by setting a goal, not just running as hard as you can, knowing the distance, um, you and you set it uh, perfectly, you're uh, limiting yourself to what that goal is, and you've figured out what you need to do each mile to do that, that might not be you at all. Mm-hmm. You might be a lot faster. You, you might always fail, and maybe you're a lot slower. But um, find that out each Sunday or Saturday, mm-hmm. um, whatever the race is. And uh, so I'm, I'm a, a strong um, uh, arguer for – on race day, just doing the very, very best you can. I, uh, p- people underestimate. I mean, put put everything into it. Mm-hmm. I, um, but um, you're going to surprise yourself. So I, 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 I've got like a story that'll take three minutes, which uh, if you've got it, absolutely. Okay. So um, I've done twelve Boston. So I had to wait till I turned fifty to qualify. Uh, needed like a 320, and I and I did beat that. So I was able then. After that year, they gave everybody every age group five more minutes. Mm-hmm. So five more minutes was fine for me. So I continued to do Boston. So um, I'm driving alone from Rochester again, about a six-hour drive, all by myself, doing doing Boston. Um, one year, um, and again, I'm running a marathon almost a month, uh, um, often with people, and occasionally I'll go off by myself and sleep in the car, get up in the morning and do the, uh, do the race. Um, all my buddies qualified for Boston, and I had maybe three, four marathons into the year and hadn't run a 335. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've, I've got to do a 335, which normally would have been something I would have done a few times through, through the year at, at, at that age. So um, I start every month from that point going into April. It, it used to be you could sign up like a week before mm-hmm. Boston. I mean, they they wanted to grow it from 8,000. Um, and and that's why they gave us each five, five more minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and they screwed around with it later. And 
just trying to now they're trying to get twenty thousand. So, um, so I can't get my three thirty five because for the first time in it would have been uh, uh, it would have been like maybe fifty four or something then. So I've been running fourteen years maybe, um, and and just never having a goal, mm-hmm. just always qualifying for Boston a few times, but doing enough that, that you would never uh, and never psyching myself out with a goal. So now all of a sudden I need a 335 because my, all my buddies are going. So I start doing what I'm saying don't do. Mm-hmm. And how can I get the, th- so I'm, I'm doing stuff differently than I, I used to do. So I finally gave up I said, well, I, I just won't go this year. I, 335 is beyond me now um, at my age, and I was still young. So I'm doing Portland, Maine. And I, I remember a couple of guys ran up behind me maybe halfway and said, I, I like your pace, and we'll run with you. They'll run for a while with, with me. What do you think you'll do? And I said, geez, I'd like to do a 335. But I had I was I knew I wasn't going to do a 335. Make a long story short, I, you anticipate pr- probably the end of this. I round the corner and the clock uh, a couple of blocks away is 3.34. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to qualify for Boston without trying. And that to me was the proof that I had been correct those 14 years before that is that the, uh, other than just running as hard as I could on that day, knowing it's 26 miles, I started coming up with schemes mm. to to get the 335. So I got it once I relaxed and realized that I, I just wouldn't go that year, even though all my buddies were going. So I've got some some evidence in my own life that that a lot of the stuff that I I've adopted over the years kind of work 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 for me. But but you do have to run as hard as you can. Mm-hmm. Knowing it's twenty six, yeah, and that's and that's I think that's the one the one side where maybe having the technology can help, and 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 you know it can be a crutch, it can be a problem. But I, I remember my my first marathon, I and, and it's it's a, a it's a terrible case of me completely underestimating what twenty six miles was going to be like. I was I was ill prepared, um, but but my plan was I'll just go out and and you know hold about a, about a ten minute pace and and just cruise it and and you know think that that was going to be what I was going to do. Um, and I was running the Disney World race, so it, you know, kind of you know a, a nice race, a lot of a lot of people. Um, and I remember coming around the first mile, and I was right about on pace. Things are are, are good. And then it, you came through this this tunnel of of spectators and everybody's clapping and cheering, and uh, I thought I was still just floating along. And I looked down at my watch and I was at like seven thirty pace. And so that was that was one of those instances where it was nice that I had that that validation of like, you need to slow down or this is going to be. And it ended up being a pretty pretty tough finish anyway. You know, first marathon, not knowing what to expect. But it would have been really tough had I not uh, maybe backed off a little bit and had that external feedback. So. You know, talking about it both sides of my mouth. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But uh, you know, I, I think it's something that you that most runners would benefit from at least trying. Try running a race without your watch or with nothing but the time showing. And uh, like like you said, three thirty five. You had no expectation of it, and boom, it happens. Like you don't have that expectation, you might surprise yourself once in a while. Well, the um, uh, a lot of my friends, at, like you did at Disney, um, say they wear it to to slow them down. Mm-hmm not to, well, I'm not running fast enough. Um, so they, these are people that often have had bad experiences going out too fast and, uh, and, and do say the positive thing about it. It helps you know that, especially if you've run a lot, if you've run a bunch of races, then, you know, you, you do know about what you're capable of mm-hmm. and you know, you you, you may not, um, you, if you get to have, if, 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 uh, if you go out too quick and don't realize it, um, you've made a mistake that uh, you're not going to recoup. So the, the, there is, there is an argument for that. I, I would, my argument then would be that you probably would have known that, mm. that you, when you, when you got through the, the that, the, you would have instinctively, well, geez, I'm, 
I think I ran a little bit harder than I should. Right. I don't know exactly how much harder, which the watch might help you with, but you would know. My my thing is that it, most of the the uses of it give you negative reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Like I'm either not to six miles yet, or I'm running too fast or too slow, when like you made a, a, a great point in that you don't, if, if you always are connected up, you don't really know how fast you can run. Mm -hmm. You gotta like really fail, um, you know, get halfway too quick and then 13 miserable miles of, uh, uh, so, um, I, I argue for uh, I argue for finding that out um, over a long period of time, making mm -hmm. make, making a lot of mistakes. And uh, I used to run pretty good marathons, just hammering it to twenty mm. or twenty two or something, and then and just hold on, almost walking in, but yeah. get there quickly enough <laughs> that <laughs> they weren't fun experiences. And that's what I learned. Uh, uh, so I learned from those miserable experiences. And there's only one guy that I ever ran into. Uh, we were doing, we all went to Jacksonville and it was his first marathon, but he was a, been running forever and has done longer crazy things like uh, run from coast to coast for charity. And, but he could run a pretty fast five and 10 K in him, mm -hmm. but done a marathon before. So he, he said, well, I'm just going to jog through this. And I want to do a three and a half. And it would be a jog for him. He's a pretty fast dude and has done distance stuff, just never run an official marathon. So he ended up by missing it by, I think, 10 minutes. So we're at Starbucks afterwards. So I, I said to Nels was his name. I said, Nels, uh, what would you do differently? He wasn't heartbroken that he had missed the time by 10 minutes because he wasn't connected up anyways, mm -hmm. but it just... And he said, I would have gotten halfway slower. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever says that. If you'd uh, be interested to hear reactions you've had from different people who haven't met what they just thought they would do and what their reaction would be. A lot of people say, well, I, I didn't get halfway quickly enough. But, mm -hmm. but he, I thought, nailed it when he said, I just, you know, if I wanted to run the eight minute average, an eight minute pace, I, I just got half, halfway too quick. And uh, very few people are able to analyze it that way. You always look at different portions of the race you could have run faster. Where he, I thought, wisely uh, realized the part of the race that he ran too quickly. Mm -hmm. and that was the first half. Yeah, I, I think that that's I, – I, I think that that idea of the negative split is, is – probably the best way to run your best long distance race the the where people get in trouble and i'm i'm guilty of this too is it is it um is scary to think that in this first half while i'm feeling good i need to really ease off a bit to try to save something because what happens if i don't feel good at mile 22 or whatever um so it's 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 one of those things that for me it's all the logical in the world to run comfortably the first half or the first 15 miles and then try to, to, you know, pick it up a bit. Um, but boy, it's, it's a scary, it's a scary proposition when you've got that time goal to think that you're giving up time purposefully early and, and trusting your training enough that you're going to be able to make it up after the fact, even though I've seen other people do it, I've heard the stories, boy, it's just, it's just a scary, scary thought to do. But I think, I think your friend was right. And I think that, that that's the, the probably the best way to do it when you have a, a set time goal like that. Because the reaction is always because uh, uh, we've all done it. I've, I've got some I've got some minutes in the bank, mm -hmm. right? So that knowing that sometime at the end I'm, I'm going to need that uh, stuff in the bank. But then again, if you are you know you've you've run fast enough so that you can slow down a bit at the end. Mm -hmm. um, and and to me that's uh, you know believe me I have I. I always tried the negative I, because I'd rather pass people at the end. Mm -hmm. And I did realize that early in my marathon career is that I would uh, rather pass people the second half than the first half. But um, 
But like you said, you could feel just as you could feel just as bad um, uh, doing it either way. Right. So right. Uh, by by wasting, and then you'd say, "Geez, I wasted that. I felt so good the first half." Well, then what you would do, though, I'm thinking, Danny, you would then the next race, um, you would pick it up gradually, but still have in mind that you want to, uh, when you get to 13, 14, you want to still have have something left. Mm-hmm. So, and if if you're constantly thinking that, which I used to be able to. You know, I'm, I'm feeling good now and I'm doing, but I want to, you know, if you're thinking already for the last few miles during the race, just the mental exercise of it somehow or sometimes uh, kind of pulls you through. I, I, I'm, you might get a kick out of this. So I'm running Jacksonville one year and um, I run up behind this uh, young, lean, tall dude and I go by him and uh, it wasn't halfway. Uh, maybe mile 10. And so he picks it up seeing that I'm an older guy and he certainly should be right. So he starts running with me. So he said, uh, uh, how, how many of you run? And of course I, I told you in those, those days probably 200 something. So he was impressed. And then, um, uh, uh, he said, what do you, what, what do you think you'll do today? And I said, well, I usually come in, you know, uh, like three and a half, maybe something like that. So I, I said, uh, "How about you?" And he said, "Well, I just want to, um, I want to come in like at four. So I said, "You're uh, uh, you're running too fast." Mm-hmm. Saying so to finish at four, I said, "You're you know we're we're doing eights, and uh, you should be running closer to nines." Uh, uh, because sometimes you, you pay for it at the end. So uh, he said, well, I, he said, I just want to get to 20 as quickly as I can. And then, um, and then I know there's a wall and that I'm going to kind of limp in. So he, he had already established with me how many marathons I had run. And I said, the wall is at 23. There mm-hmm. is a wall at 20. That, that's something that Runner's World publishes. And it's, it's, it's not for you there's a wall at 23 and it'll knock your socks off. So I wait, wait for him at the finish. He hit the wall at 23. That's what I was hoping would happen just so that I could tell you that story. But it's the absolute truth. He hit a wall at 23 because talking to someone that had done so many, as I as he, we established during our run, that, that he then forgot about 20 and knew he was going to hit something at 23. He said he was like a cement wall at 23. Now, he would have hit that same wall at 20 if he didn't believe that I had run more marathons than the guys that wrote about it in Runner's World. Mm-hmm. So, so as you know, so much of it is mental. Um, that wall can be any place you, you want it to be, and often if you're exhausted, you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. Sense, because then I, because then you can tell your buds, boy, I hit the wall at twenty, or I hit the wall at twenty-two, and uh, I just couldn't go on. And everybody said, "Oh yeah, boy, that wall at twenty or something." <laughs> it's, it's it's all it's all up here. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Um, gosh, there's so many things that uh, I feel like we've just scratched the surface. So I'm, I'm you know, certainly going to have to make the make the trip and uh, maybe maybe do a, a, an in person one of these at, at some point, uh, maybe Absolutely. maybe sooner rather than later. Since uh, for those that I don't know if we've established this, but we only live about an hour hour and fifteen minutes apart, something like that. Um, for those what, that are, what sort of runs do you do? Um, uh, I, you know, as far as races go, I'm I'm pretty like I I've run like one race in the last year and a half or something like that. I, I've um, you know. Uh, with we've got a we've got a young daughter a three year old uh, she'll be four in a, in a couple of months so it's been the last few years have been not scheduling much for races and, and uh, hopefully hopefully picking that up in a few years now that she's obviously getting old enough that travel is a little bit easier and you know sending her to the grandparents for the weekend is a lot less of a hassle than when she's a you know still uh, infant size so I'm hoping to to run some more races uh, coming up but 
Um, back, back to, uh, to one thing is, is we're going to kind of get, get close to wrapping this thing up and, and I'm not asking for a quick answer. We can, we can take this as long as we want, but like I said, we're not going to keep going all day. Cause I know you've got, you've got a race to be ready for tomorrow or, uh, in a couple of days as, as we're recording this. Um, but, uh, I'd be curious to know as, as we're wrapping up today, Chuck, you've mentioned a couple of things with the, the headphones, with the, the watches and the connectivity and, and things like that, that, you know, weren't in place when you started running and, uh, you know, maybe are a bit pet peevish or just things that you don't appreciate about something that's so common in the running community these days. Um, is there something that is the opposite of that? Something that, uh, you know, nowadays the, whatever it is, it could be a multitude of things, but things that you really like now or have, have really grown to, you know, creature comforts or runner comforts that, that in the last 10 years, you're like, God, I wish, I wish that we had this back in the eighties when I, when I started running at marathons that, uh, that, that we do have now that, that you appreciate some of the advances that have, have happened in our sport. It would be the carpet. Um, again, you could be back like a mile. Wouldn't be a mile, but a whole lot of blocks like at the Marine Corps in Boston. And when the cannon went off, that's the beginning of the race. Mm-hmm. So you're already, by the time you get to the start, two to four minutes behind. Oh, right. Uh, that's right. So I love the fact that I don't press start my watch until the uh, till you pass the carpet. Like at uh, Oklahoma City, it's a big race, so it'll take me maybe even ten minutes to walk down to the the carpet, mm-hmm. and then I. And then I started. So that's kind of neat. Um, to me, that 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 would be the the major improvement uh, that that I. But I I, I just uh, so uh, so enthusiastically for running unaided, uh, learning something every single race about yourself. Not that I couldn't keep up with the watch. Or, or, or the, I'm not sure what, but I, now, now you'll have an individual come by you and you think they're running with someone and their, their phone is talking to them. So, <laughs> right. so I, I, I hate to sound like an old fogey, but, uh, um, it's just uh, phenomenal. And then, and then occasionally there'll be someone talking on the phone the whole way mm-hmm. and not even holding it, but having something in their ear and they go by you and they're talking and then, you know, you see that in the airport all the time, but you, and then you realize he's got the headset and, mm-hmm. uh, and I've, you, you may have too. I've, I've, uh, run behind people that get calls. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say, well, I'm, you know, I'm 10 miles into the Jacksonville marathon or, uh, the first time I saw it, I was doing Chicago and we're like a mile from the finish. And a guy whips out his phone. This was before the arm thing. He had a phone in his back pocket or something. And he calls his wife and said, I'll be coming in the finish of Chicago, which, as you know, is a big race. Mm-hmm. Coming in for the photograph on, my, on the left-hand side. So he's telling his wife to get uh, the camera and, and, and watch him. And, and I thought that was kind of amazing. But he, he was a real runner. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, we were going on a pretty good clip, but he whip, whipped it out and actually used the phone uh, to call somebody. But now they, I think there's so many apps, isn't there, on the phone that it'll be your running buddy, I think. It, it uh, can be. You can you can set that up for sure. I know, I know. I know. So I'm just, uh, uh, other than the, uh, the, the, the timing now is so phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, uh, from what it used to be. I You know, you used to uh, mail into Boston a... Uh, certificate right uh, you'd make a copy of it or you'd fold it up in an envelope and and mail it in, in chicago uh, uh, or for, or for boston boston you might not realize in the olden days used to you, you could actually send in your time it gave you the uh 59 seconds mm-hmm. and also if you put in there it was a windy day they'd cut you slack uh, for that you might get in <laughs> Uh, right. And, and, and as I said, you know, a couple of weeks before Boston, you could just get in. I only say that to people now that know how difficult it is to, uh, the, the mailing and, and you're not sure. We had some people that thought they qualified, but, uh, once they, uh, went in, uh, 
some younger people, they went back and they were a couple of seconds off because they you got to run faster than your qualifying time now, mm-hmm. which seems kind of crazy to me. Why don't you just change the time? But <laughs> they, uh, it just seems like make a little more difficult for them. Mm-hmm. But these people thought they had qualified. They had beaten their time by, a, by three, four minutes and thought for sure they were in and I think had a room. And then, uh, and then got the notice that you're no longer in. So mm, that's, that would be, uh, as, as people that listen to the show regularly know that, that qualifying and running Boston is one of my big, big goals. And, uh, boy, that would be, it's, it'd be bad enough to, to hit the BQ time, but know that you didn't beat it by enough. So you couldn't get in, but boy, at the last minute like that, to think that you were good travel already arrangements, hotel, the whole nine. And, and now yoink, sorry, you're not, Oh, that would be, uh, that'd be terrible. The other thing about Boston, and that's true, I think, even today, is uh, I remember that when, when they wouldn't let a woman run it, but they've always been bandit friendly. Mm. And they're, uh, so they're lining up behind the last group, there'll be really good runners who only, because they live in the area, only run Boston every year, never officially. Mm. So... Um, and, and people will say, well, I, I want to qualify. Well, it, that would be good. But the experience of running Boston is, is kind of cool. You know, when you, you know, you've watched it on TV and, you know, you get to 16 and then the hills start. And mm-hmm. So you can run it as a bandit and finish and even take a medal. Nobody's, nobody even keeps the medal, medal from you. Um, and uh, you line up behind everybody else, but nobody seems to mind at Boston, even before the carpet mm. there. I remember a guy finishing front front of me without it when it used to be shoots, right? It used to have shoots. And, uh, so that was more complicated because they're clicking off every minute. So if you've got a guy without a number, he's somebody clicked it for him. Mm. So throw so everybody, the thousands of people after that off, but Boston just had a technique. They used to rip your bottom part of your number off. That's what that's for. And then they put it on a ring. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they, they just had a batch of blank ones that if someone came through that didn't have a number, you just put a blank one on. And uh, But I was just going to say, uh, nothing wrong with running Boston as a bandit. Now, other races, I wouldn't say that because you shouldn't and they don't right. like it. And, but Boston, for some reason, is very tolerant of uh, guys to do it. Uh, and you can, because uh, a lot of guys, there's guys you'll say, I mean, how many Bostons you run? Well, I live in the area. I've run 10 Bostons. Uh, where'd you qualify? Never qualify. Just do Boston. <laughs> so. Oh, goodness. Yeah, it's something that, uh, learn something new every day. I definitely didn't know that. And that, that would be, uh, that, that could be an interesting story to find some, some uh, bandit runners that, uh, you know, bring them on and, and, and chat with them. That would be uh, an all right thing down the line, too. I'm trying to think of how you'd find them, but you're right. No, absolutely. Well, this, with, with, you know, the, the connectivity of the running community that maybe you're not the biggest fan of, but now we're putting it out there. People are hearing. Guys, if, if you know anybody who's banded Boston, get them in touch yes. with me. I'd love to have that conversation on the show at some point. Well, it is, it is easier now. I, I knew a guy back in Rochester before the carpets that uh, was trying to cheat and get into Boston. Mm. Um. And there'd be different races where he, uh, like bow tie rate races where you can come back to start. He'd do the first half and then just w- wait around for the time he needed and then just, just finish. Because yeah. yeah. you could do that because uh, without the carpets, the carpets you can put all through the race. You can follow guys for 5Ks and 10Ks and 30Ks and then the marathon. But before the carpet, uh, you could cheat. Mm-hmm. The only thing now is it's almost easier to cheat. I keep thinking of this guy. If he was today, he would have just given somebody else the bib. his number. Mm-hmm. So easy to, to cheat. I'm not saying why anybody would want to do that. I'd rather run it as a bandit mm-hmm. um, than actually convince people I, I did my time and I, and I didn't. But it is easier to cheat now. <laughs> Uh, with with a car, but just give your give that uh, information to someone faster than you. So as as long as you can find a willing participant to to do the to a willing partner, you're you're good to go. 
Yeah. Oh, there'd be a million of them. Well, mm-hmm. you could pay a guy to do it. Right. Right. <laughs> well, anyway, I, um, Chuck, I, I feel like I said earlier, I feel like we could keep going, but at some point, at some point we'll go so long that people will stop listening and we don't want, we don't want that to happen. So uh, absolutely. we'll, we'll go I ahead agree. and We'll go ahead and put a bow on this one today, but but uh, certainly hope that we can circle back up and, and do another one in, in person at some point. But once again, guys, disruns.com slash 573 is the link to the show notes if you want to uh, see some photos of, of Chuck and, and that type of thing. That, that'll that be there. Um, and we don't have anything to link to, so there won't be any links there to, to find, but that's that's all good and, and, and well anyway. So, Chuck, thank you uh, for, for taking the time today. I, I certainly appreciate it. Have a have a great race in a couple of days, which by the time this publishes, that race will already be in, in your rearview mirror. You probably have three or four other races under your belt by then as well but uh keep keep running keep keep uh doing your thing and uh like i said hope looking forward not hoping i'm looking forward to the time that we can get together and and uh have have another chat at some point in the not too distant future enjoyed it thank you all right guys thank you so much for taking a little trip down memory lane with me i hope you enjoyed a little flashback to just about a year ago when this episode came out uh great chat with chuck uh obviously some some old school mentality uh you know some some uh maybe a little uh kind of old man wisdom uh old man crotchiness a little bit there as well um, but I absolutely loved this chat and uh, loved going back and, and kind of refreshing my memory on some of the things we talked about, uh, some of the stories he shared, uh, and, and uh, just hope that you enjoyed it as well, whether this was your first time listening to this episode or whether you listened to it uh, a year ago and maybe you, uh, you you enjoyed a little trip down memory lane with me as well. Um, as per usual, even though uh, I've even though we've been there, done that uh, with this episode before, still curious to know what your takeaways are. What was what was something that stood out to you from this episode? Um, I don't even remember what my takeaway was from last time. I didn't go back in the archives and, and double check it, um, but I'm pretty sure that I'm going to go with something different this time around for my takeaway, and that is just the idea that. Um, there's no there's no limit to when we have to stop running. Um, you know, Chuck's a fair bit slower than uh, he used to be. I think uh, I think if if memory serves uh, from from seeing that Instagram post from Carly, um, he was about uh, you know twice as slow in uh, this most recent marathon episode or marathon uh, 356 than he was from his PR. Uh, his PR was in the low threes, and this was a six hour something. Um, but so what? So what? He's still out there going, still out there doing it at 80, 86, 87 years old, um, still going strong, still enjoying it, still still running, still pushing himself, still learning. Um, and and I know when I talk to some of the these old timers, you know, whether it's Chuck, whether it was my neighbor Bobby Krim, whether it was Dallas uh, Dallas Smith who I talked to a couple years ago, that's, that's another one that'd be a good best of episode, I think, one of these days. Um, but when I talk to some of these guys that have been around for a long time and have been running for a long time. Um, and they're still running at, at ages that a lot of people, um, you know, that their, their peer group, there's not a whole lot of them that are, that are out there running. Um, it just, it just inspires me. It just motivates me to, to not feel like I have to shut it down when I turn 50 or 60 or 70 or 80. Um, you know, if I, if I take care of myself and maybe that's, maybe that's the key takeaway here that what we do now does matter, you know, wherever, wherever you are on, on, you know, your years of experience or days of experience of running. Um, if, if you have a passion or a goal, like I do to pretty much keep running until they put you in the ground, um, you know, doing things the right way now does matter. Taking care of our bodies, eating well, getting good, good rest and sleep and listening to our bodies and, and taking care of little, little issues and niggles and, and injuries before they become more serious. Um, building the, a good base, you know, here, here's my, my semi regular plea to slow, slow down, run easy. Most of the time, build that, that good base that, that maybe costs you a few seconds in a race three weeks from now, six weeks from now, eight weeks from now, but it allows you to keep going three decades from now, four decades from now, five decades from now. Um, which is certainly, certainly Michael, I've got, I've got five decades to catch up with catch up to Chuck in the, in terms of, of number of years on the planet. And, uh, hopefully maybe kind of catch up to him in, in terms of number of, of times run 26 miles as well. Um, but just, just love hearing these stories, love going back in time, uh, with these guys and, and, uh, love the idea of me being that guy, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now when, when, um, our kids or our kids that haven't even been born yet are, are runners and they've got whatever is, you know, some hologram podcast thing at that time. And they want to talk to somebody who's been around for a minute. Uh, I, I look forward to sharing some of the stories from these days 
you know, 30, 40 years from now. But, um, man, just, just love going back and listening to some of these old episodes, especially, like I said, with some of these, these older guys like Chuck, it was, it was awesome. And, and I hope that you enjoyed it. And once again, whether you listen to this for the first time or second or third time, uh, we'd love to hear your takeaways. What stood out to you from this episode? What stood out to you from some of the stories that Chuck had to share at Diz Runs on Twitter, at Diz Runs on Instagram, Diz Runs at gmail.com if you want to shoot me an email. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for today, disruns.com slash 723. And all of everything's there. I mean, it's, it's basically copy pasted, pasted. It's the same show notes from the first time. So if you want to go check out the first time, which is the same as this time, disruns.com slash, what was it, 523? Five, five, so almost 200, 200 episodes ago, exact? That's crazy. How did that work out? Boy, certainly, certainly wasn't planned. But anyway... Um, hope you enjoyed this. Oh no, that was 573. So not quite 150 episodes different. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, got some new episodes coming next week. Interviews already recorded, ready to go. Uh, things get coming up and up and about, but, uh, if there's any other episodes that you'd really like me to re-air, if you can think back through your memory banks of, of episodes from a year ish ago or, or longer, that you think would make a good best of. Um, I don't know that I, I'm not planning to, to run any best ofs again anytime soon, but maybe during the summer, I'm gonna be gone for a couple of weeks, probably for, for a little, I don't know. I don't know if going to visit the family is considered vacation or not. I'm not sure that I consider it a vacation, but uh, probably going to go visit the family for a couple of weeks this summer. Um, and so I don't know where, where I'll be at as far as interviews the, that week or two. So it might, might be a little bit of best ofs. So if you have a, a suggestion, we'd love to hear it. And of course, if you have suggestions of guests that you'd like me to have on the show for the first time, um, or maybe somebody you'd like me to bring back for a round two, a, a, a new conversation with a, with a past guest. Always love to hear those, those thoughts, uh, those suggestions. There is a post in the Facebook group that's, that's you know, one of the saved announcement posts, whatever, whatever Zuckerberg's calling it these days, uh, that, that asks about guests. You can always leave guest suggestions there or two round twos or best ofs. Um, and you can also always reach out to me on, on any other social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. I'm at Diz Runs pretty much everywhere, except for Facebook. But I'm kind of at Diz Runs on Facebook with the Facebook group. You can also find me certainly by my name. We can we can be friends. If you want to be friends with me, I'll be friends with you uh, on the Facebooks as well. So let me know if you have any suggestions for best ofs, round twos, or just new folks, new new faces, new voices that uh, you think would, would uh, make a good addition to the show. Um, not going to lie, I tend to like the people that uh, most people haven't heard of before. I like, I like people like you and me. Um, I do get some suggestions fairly regularly for, for some elites and, and uh, world-class folks, and I reach out to them, but uh, they tend to be too busy for somebody like me. Um, but you, know, you never know. You never know when somebody like that uh, comes around. But uh, I'll always take your suggestions, so let me know. Um, and until next time, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one again. Uh, thanks for all you do, all the support, all the suggestions, all the love. Uh, be well. Take care. Thank you so much, and we'll talk soon. All right? See you guys. Mm-hmm.